Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Jeb Blunt is one of the world's most sought-after speakers on the subject of sales, and he's been described as the modern-day Zig Ziglar. Of course, the late Zig Ziglar was undoubtedly one of the best storytellers of all time, but Jeb, which of Zig's stories resonates most with you? Well, thank you for uh, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's, it's fantastic to be able to be on a show in Ireland. How about that? One of my very favorite Zig stories is the story he tells about a young man who's walking down the sidewalk, and there's an old man sitting on a front porch with his dog, and the dog is laying on top of a nail. And the young man asks the old man, he says, how come that dog keeps laying on that nail? Why doesn't he get up? And the, uh, the, the old man looks at the young man and says, because it doesn't hurt him bad enough. There's a great analogy for change and for transformation. Sometimes we don't transform or change because things don't hurt us bad enough. And of course, Zig Ziglar was definitely one of the best, but who in the world of sales was your greatest influence? Brian Tracy had a huge influence on me. I remember going and seeing Brian uh, in person in Memphis, Tennessee, back in the 90s. And he I, just the way that he did things and talked about sales really influenced me. And I became a, a speaker, essentially, because I, I went to see Tom Hopkins and Anthony Robbins in the early 90s. And I remember, you know, walking out of that room, there were probably a thousand people in the room and I got, that's what I want to do. It took me 25 years to get to the point where I would do it. I I went into the corporate world and had a really successful career, but I never forgot, you know, their ability to impact people. But in terms of, of selling and the process of selling, I would say that my number one influence for, from an, from an, from an author would, would be Brian Tracy. And Jeb, is it true to say that more has changed in the past nine months in the world of sales than has changed over the past 20 years before it? Yeah, you know, I would, I would say that that's, that may be a fair thing to say. I would say that we've definitely compressed a lot of change that was going to happen. So what we've done is we've said there are multiple ways that you can sell. The, the thing I think we need to be clear about is that there were a lot of people, including me, that were doing virtual selling before virtual selling was cool. And part of that is because I've got a global audience and a global client base, and it just doesn't make sense for us to get on an airplane and fly to Ireland. I've got a client, a couple of clients in Ireland every time we want to go have a conversation with them, so we're used to getting on video to have those conversations. So I think that for some segments of the marketplace, that, that, those words would be true. So we've, we've changed more in the last nine months than we have in the last 20 years. For other parts of you know, of the sales marketplace or the people that, that are in sales and, and sales teams, I would say that maybe maybe not so much, although I think there's a new realization that they have to begin using a, a complete set of tools in order to more effectively connect with the people that they want to sell to than they did before. So there's been more of an eye-opening with that group. There's no doubt that the pandemic certainly has brought virtual selling mainstream. In your opinion, is it here to stay? Absolutely. There's absolutely no doubt. So I was on a, uh, doing a training just the other day ago, and I had uh, a couple of questions from, from the salespeople. And one of the salespeople said, you know, so what happens when we go back to the way things were? And I said, we're not going back to the way things were. Now, we <laughs> will go back to, you know, more in person. We're going to go back to meeting people, going back to meetings, having these things. So, so we, we will go back to that, but when we go back, we've, we've got an entire group of customers who are used to interacting with us in different ways. 
And and what I would say to you, you know, you asked me that question earlier, you know, about change. I would say to you that buyers have changed more in the last nine months than they have in the last 20 years. And of course, because buyers are now willing to meet with sellers in so many different ways and through so many different mediums, has it created far more opportunities than ever before for sellers? There's no doubt. I, I think that this is the greatest time ever to be in sales for a couple of reasons. I think first, salespeople who went through this crucible of adversity during the global pandemic, this group of salespeople are going to come out of the, on the other side of the pandemic better equipped, better mindset. They're, they're going to have you know, gone through the, you know, the grind of getting through this, and they're going to be so much better on the other side. So I think that that, that's an important thing. The other, other part of that is I think because buyers have shifted the way that they deal with this, suddenly you know, we can have more conversations with more buyers on different levels than ever before, and the door's just wide open. I've never been more excited about being in sales than, than, than I am now. Now, of course, there's no shortage of virtual selling channels available to the buyer or the seller. But ultimately, who makes the decision on which to choose? Well, I, I think that you know, if I were to send a buyer a meeting request and the buyer says, hey, can we do a phone call versus video or can we meet in person? The buyer is going to dictate to some extent what that's going to look like. But it's always incumbent on the seller to control the process. So, for example, if I was going to go to a first time meeting, I might say to the buyer, Listen, we're just going to have a 20-minute meeting. I just want to get to know you, decide whether or not this is going to be a good fit. Why don't we get on a video call versus me driving all the way over there? So the, the, it's incumbent on the seller to suggest the channel, to suggest the way to have a conversation. But it's also important for the seller to recognize that is that going to be the best channel for this particular situation? And of course, video calls are the next best thing to being there live in person. But how should a sales professional prepare for a video call and set the scene for us from a technical perspective in terms of what they need to get right? The thing about a video call is we said the next best thing to be in there person. What you want to do is create the closest facsimile of being there in person as possible. So there are really a couple of things that salespeople can do. One, make sure you're using an external webcam. Stop using the webcam in your laptop and get that webcam at eye level. So you're not looking down into it or up into it. Make sure that you've got good lighting in front of you, not behind you, so that you don't get blacked out on the screen. And my best advice for salespeople is stand up. So when you have your, your sales meeting, stand up so that you, you can use your body language, they can see you, and make sure that they can see you from the waist up, just like you'd be there in person, make eye contact with the camera. And, of course, you need to make sure that whatever's behind you in your backdrop isn't something that is either taking away from the call, hurting your personal brand, or distracting to your buyer. And they're very good tips, Jeb. But in terms of style, what approach works best on video calls? Well, for me, the best style from video calls is to shut up. I mean, when I'm, when I'm asking questions, listen to people, pause. So I call it pace and pause, right? So you, 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 you pace yourself, you go a little bit slower. But I also think you have to be more emotive. So you have to be more, uh, more passionate. You have to send more energy through the camera. And you really have to get good at looking at the camera and talking to the camera because people want to feel that you're enthusiastic and confident about whatever you're selling them. So take your time, listen, uh, you know, be human, laugh, smile, don't let the camera intimidate you. And it will, you know, it, it does for a lot of people, but you have to work at it to get over that. And more than anything, just learn how to listen and do your best to avoid talking over 
your prospects. And of course, to say that the best way to build trust is through listening. So in terms of getting that balance right on a sales call, a virtual sales call, what should a sales professional be aiming for in terms of percentage speaking versus listening? Well, if you think about it from a, you know, from just a purely sales standpoint, this really doesn't make a difference if you're on a video call or a phone call or in person. You should be spending most of your time listening, depending on where you are in the sales cycle. Now, if you're in a presentation mode where you've done your discovery, you've asked questions, and it's your time to present your solution, you're going to be doing most of the talking. So typically in a presentation, you're probably going to be doing, you know, somewhere between 50 and 80 percent of the talking. During discovery calls and initial calls when you're meeting new stakeholders, you should be doing maybe 20% of the talking. They should be doing 80%. And Jeb, how do you go about delivering effective virtual presentations and demos during video calls? Well, one thing is keep it short. So number one is virtual presentations should be short. So I'm a like if you if it takes you more than 15 minutes, if you were just talking the entire time to deliver your presentation, that's too long. So you want to be somewhere between you know 10 and 15 minutes. If you go over, don't go any more than 20 minutes. Do that. Make sure you're setting it up by not talking about yourself. So in person, a lot of times we'll go in and we'll do a little bit of a here's about our company, that type of thing. You do not do that on virtual calls because they're going to be bored out of their mind. Save that to last. Do it on another call. Don't do it in your presentations. Start off by talking about them. So I always start off and say, here's what you told me were important things to you. Here's what you told me you're trying to accomplish. Did I get that right? I just do a quick summary of their, of their issues. And then I walk them through my recommendations for their solution or for their, their situation. And I do that in their language, not my language. Most importantly, I want to get all the stakeholders talking, which means I need to ask them things by name. You can't just say, does anybody have any questions? Because nobody's going to talk. You have to say, Hey, Bob, do you have any questions about that? Or, Bob, you told me this is important to you. Does that answer your question? And you need to pace yourself, slow down, make sure there are pauses. So typically I'm stopping either after any major point or I'm stopping at the end of any any slide before I move to a different visual. I'm always stopping, checking in, trying to get into conversation going. It's not easy. It can be uncomfortable. But the interaction matters more than anything. And Jeb, in your book, Virtual Selling, you discuss the importance of blending. What is that all about? Blending is the most important part of virtual selling. And in fact, if you would just sort the question you asked me earlier, is this here to stay? Blending is here to stay and get used to blending. But blending is, is in any sales situation with any customer, any prospect, wherever you are, it is choosing the communication channel that is the best channel for that situation the channel that is going to give you the highest probability of getting the outcome that you desire in that particular sales conversation, sales situation, sales process, no matter where you are, at the lowest cost of time, energy, and money. And in terms of telesales, actually picking up the phone and making cold calls, what advice have you got for sales professionals today? Is it something they should be investing time in or not? Yeah, here's my advice. Pick up the damn phone. That's my advice. Pick up the phone and call people. It's the fastest, easiest, most effective way to have a conversation with another human being. And by the way, there's a phone strapped to every person that you call. We carry one with us everywhere. So pick up the phone and call people. the, The phone is the original virtual selling tool. And by the way, it was invented in 1876. So it's been around for a long time. It is the very best tool that we can use for, uh, for prospecting. It is the very best tool we can use for sales and and you ignore the phone at, at your own peril. 
Many will say that getting a cold call is an interruption to their day. It's something that they don't welcome. How would you respond to that? I would say that's true. It is an interruption and nobody wants a cold call. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. You just need to do it right. Because if you don't cold call people, if you don't reach out and call people, you're not going to have a full pipeline. And if you don't have a full pipeline, you're going to fail in sales. So cold calling and interrupting people. And by the way, when we start talking about cold calling, I mean, there's pure cold calling. They don't know me. And then there's calling people that are old leads, old customers, what have you. Salespeople aren't afraid of cold calling. They're just afraid of making the call because they're afraid of rejection. So, so I get it. I understand it. You know, I would prefer that salespeople not call me, and so would you. But salespeople still call me, and the ones that call me are send me an email or connect with me in some other way, and they do it in a meaningful way with a good message. They're the ones that I'm going to talk to. I, mean, I had a rep from um, from the UK. I, I bought a uh, a big, probably the biggest software package we've ever purchased. He, he left me seventy one voicemails until one day I picked up the phone and I could I recognized his voice and we talked for an hour and a half and I did business with him. So he called and called and called and called and called and called. He he got me. He sent me emails. He stalked me on LinkedIn. He did a bunch of other things too. But the fact is, is that this guy had the persistence to keep going, but the phone was his primary tool. And by the way, he believed enough in what he was selling and how it could help me that he didn't give up and he demonstrated that he cared and that he wasn't going to go away and that it was his job to connect with me, not my job to connect with him. Is it the best use of their time when we look now at social selling and the opportunities that are there from a digital sales and marketing perspective? Is the time not better invested in those channels in attracting inbound leads instead of trying to generate outbound ones? Well, funny that you said that because I was on a uh, I did an hour and a half with a group of real estate executives this morning on a, on a video training call. And one of them asked me that, and I'm like, how's the inbound going for? And he was like, well, almost everything that I've sold, I generated myself through outbound prospecting. I went, yep, that's the truth. That's true for every salesperson. So certainly, I think every person should be doing everything possible, using social channels, uh, using bulk email. If you, That's something that you should be doing. Getting out there, doing networking, getting to know people in your community. Anytime you get an inbound lead, it's a great lead. When people call you and they raise their hand, it's just fantastic. And if you can generate a ton of them, whether it's through referrals or through marketing or what have you, that's a really good thing. And there are going to be some salespeople who can do that. I happen to be one of them. I've written 13 books. People know who I am. I do radio interviews. So, you know, it's a little easier for me to get more inbound leads than the average salesperson who works for, say, a commercial company and is selling. And, and, and just, that, you know, if you think that this average salesperson is going to be able to blog their way or social media their way into a full pipeline, it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Sadly, a lot of people in my space, the people who are public figures or people who you know, write books or train, they talk about you know, inbound marketing all the time because in this particular space, that probably makes a lot of sense. But for most people, it doesn't. In my own salespeople, by the way, here at Sales Gravy, those salespeople are doing outbound prospecting. This is what we do every single day because that's how we generate our sales. So you need to be doing both. Inbound and outbound are important. They work together. You certainly should be a master of both. But if you're sitting around waiting for things to happen, if you're waiting for people to call you, if you're waiting for people to do your job, I got news for you. You are going to have skinny kids. 
And in terms of B2B selling, of course, Zoom and Microsoft Teams are being used for video sales channels in that regard. But when it comes to the B2C market, are you engaging in things like Facebook, WhatsApp? Are you engaging with some of the other social channels? And if so, how are you doing it and, and what's been effective for you? Absolutely. With, with, with B2C, of course, you can. If I'm, if I'm working high-level B2C, so insurance, financial, anything that you know maybe a hard good that i might be selling in solar panels roofing that type of thing you can certainly do some of that via the traditional zoom channel you can set up video calls that type of thing and certainly a lot of folks are doing that however if you're doing you know b2c you also know that everybody's carrying around a phone with them so here in the u.s especially with you know with with, with the way we carry iphones around you know we use facetime all the time so you can do that I love WhatsApp. WhatsApp's like my Swiss Army knife for selling. So the rest of the world, it's nothing for me to hop on WhatsApp. I'm texting one of my customers or a prospect. We hop on a video call. Facebook Messenger is another great opportunity for hopping on a video call. And believe it or not, just the uh, the other day ago, I did a video call on Instagram. But I do want to say this. It's not always the right thing. Sometimes a quick phone call is, is way better than a video call. So, you know, back to blending. Pick the tool that's the right tool for that particular moment that's going to give you the highest probability of getting the outcome that you desire at the lowest cost of time, energy, and money. And Jeb, finally, what advice do you have for sales professionals that want to future-proof their careers? This is the greatest question in the world. Get good at tech. So think about it like this. You have to go out and adopt new technology. So be looking for what else is out there. Get good at it. Get really good at it. But don't let tech get in the way of your ability to deal with other people because sales is at its core human. It is human to human. It's about emotions. So the ultra-performing salespeople of the future are going to be salespeople who are adopting every tool possible to give them a competitive advantage in the marketplace, and they're using those tools to give them more time to have conversations with people. Because what hasn't changed and what will not change for sales is that the more people you talk with or have a conversation with, the more you're going to sell. So focus on the future. Prove yourself. Get ahead of the curve. And I'll give you an example in our own world. Right now, we're focused on VR and AR, so virtual reality and augmented reality. We are building uh, virtual reality classrooms. We're looking at ways to engage with our customers in virtual reality. We're practicing every day. We're in, we, we've built this huge, you know, on, it's, it's like a totally immersive portal, and we get in the middle of it, and we learn how to use it, learn how to manipulate things, learn how to uh, communicate in that space. And then AR is going to be a point where we put on a set of glasses, and, you know, I'm sitting in your living room having a conversation with you on this interview versus doing it the way we're doing it now. Those things are all coming. And what you want to do as a salesperson and as a human being, in fact, is look ahead of the curve, look what's happening, pay attention to it, don't let things you know, leave you behind. And it can be completely overwhelming, but the future proof yourself, you need to be ahead of the curve and you need to be in the future. But never forget that sales is about having conversations with other human beings. It is about emotion. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was virtual selling guru Jeb Blunt. And I'm sure that Jeb's undeniable passion for virtual selling will certainly inspire the salespeople of the Southeast. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.